Good morning, everybody, and thank you, Father Stuart, for inviting me to preach in Guernsey. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts on all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. So, our gospel reading today. Weddings. Think weddings. Think of all the preparation that goes into a 21st century English wedding. Think of all those weddings that have been postponed this year and people who are trying to decide whether to take the risk of rebooking them. And imagine what will the mother of the bride's sister be wearing and what will the groom's cousin twice removed be wearing? And as for their children, or should we not invite the children? In an ancient Jewish wedding, the groom would have provided all the garments for all the guests to wear. I can't imagine my son-in-law providing an outfit that would have been acceptable to me, but hey. So as for the catering, unthinkable running out of food or drink. These days, we have to make sure everybody has at least their body weight in food for the wedding breakfast, and maybe only half their body weight two hours later for the evening do. Well, the wedding cake and the champagne will keep them going in between if they get peckish. Anyway, now let's go back 2,000 years to the wedding in Cana that we've just heard about. Jesus was a guest, as was his mother and the disciples. This story isn't found in Matthew, Mark or Luke, so we've got nothing to compare it to, but it is familiar to most of us. It was Jesus' first sign, as John refers to the seven miracles. The changing of water into wine is Jesus' first public act, an inaugural sign of God's presence in the world through Jesus. Everyone I know has different ways of approaching preparing a sermon, so I obviously can't speak for anyone else. But the first thing I do is go to a quiet place and read through the text prayerfully, usually here into a garden room or shed at the bottom of the garden. So you read through the text in a couple of different versions and then just sit with it for a while and ponder on what thoughts God puts in my head and on my heart. Then after making notes and reading around the passage and setting it in context, and looking at commentaries and other people's reflections and sermons, and there are plenty of those online, you start to put your words together. For whoever has compiled all these different notes or reflections, each piece will say something just for them. And that is the mystery and joy of hearing God's word through scripture. It's just for you. So the wedding at Cana understandably takes pride of pace, place in Anglican and I guess other wedding liturgies. But to see it only in the light of that is to see it far too narrowly. There's loads of wedding of references to wedding feasts in the Gospels. The story of the wise and foolish virgins, the story of the king who gave a wedding feast and nobody came. The story of the guest who turns up but is thrown out for not wearing the proper clothes. Or the master who turns up to find his servants ready or not. The guests who choose the highest or lowest place to sit at the wedding feast. Elsewhere, outside the Gospels, we have the climax of Revelation, as we heard in the New Testament reading, where heaven itself is described as the wedding feast of the Lamb and the ultimate union of Christ with his church. In all these cases, the wedding is a symbol for the kingdom of God. 
and the wedding at Keina has to be understood in the same way. The chief focus of this sign, as in all John's miracle stories, is the disclosure of Jesus himself as Messiah. But this story is jam-packed with lots of other subsidiary signs and illusions. For instance, the six stone jars mentioned here were traditionally used for Jewish purification rites. Stone was believed not to carry any impurities and holding 30 gallons each, they were vessels for a huge amount of wine. So some say this story is about God's abundant provision for all of us. Or maybe about the fact that Jesus supersedes the old Jewish rites and replaces them with something wonderful and available for all. But for now, I just want to briefly focus on what I took from this passage on this occasion that I read it. So the church calendar is a funny old thing. We are today on the third Sunday of Epiphany. Just four weeks ago, we were celebrating the birth of a baby. And a few days later, the visit of the Magi. And then the next week, fast forward 30 years, and we celebrated Jesus's baptism. And now here we are at the scene of his inaugural sign. The word epiphany means a moment of sudden and great revelation. For those who witnessed Jesus's baptism, when God spoke to him saying, this is my son, and for those wedding guests, these were indeed epiphanies. So I put myself in this scenario and I imagined being at a wedding with my son and his friends. And I imagined my son rebuking me strongly in front of others. I certainly wouldn't have been very impressed. But Mary knew her son was God made man. She didn't understand why or how, but she knew with enough certainty to say, do whatever he tells you. To me, this story is about God's revelation in Jesus, which affirms his disciples, but the disciples had to see this sign. Verse 11 says, Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana in Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Prior to this event, John the Baptist had declared him the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This proclamation in chapter 1, verse 35, encouraged two of John's disciples to physically follow Jesus and spend some hours in his company. And after that, on the day before this wedding, in fact, is the story of Jesus seeing Nathanael under a fig tree. After Nathanael proclaimed the teacher to be the son of God, king of Israel, Jesus said, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under a fig tree? What struck me afresh with the gospel passage was how here today in 2021, COVID times, either in the Channel Islands or in Dorking, we don't have the physical presence of the man called Jesus. Maybe we don't have the obvious signs to help us believe. And so we have to rely on faith and trust. Like Mary says, do whatever he tells you. Sometimes perhaps you'll be asked to do things that seem crazy to you. I mean, crikey, how ridiculous to call this middle-aged woman looking forward to retirement, to study for a total of seven years, to be ordained in the Church of England. Ridiculous. And when Father Stuart first suggested exploring a call to ordained ministry around eight years ago, I did all I could to pretend it wasn't happening. And then someone wise said to me, 
just go with it and see where it takes you. Or in Mary's words, do whatever he tells you. There's a thing called negative capability. It's a phrase first used by the poet John Keats in 1817 to explain the capacity of the greatest writers to pursue a vision or artistic beauty, even when it leads them into intellectual confusion and uncertainty. The term is used to describe the ability to perceive and recognize truths beyond the reach of reasoning. These days we have access to so much information via the internet. We can prove so much by forensic investigation. Take DNA. According to the website Science Daily, the world's oldest DNA is approximately 400 years old. Oh, no, 400,000 years old. <laughs> and yet we can't prove God. We don't have access to God's DNA. And we don't have the person of Jesus showing us obvious signs. But we have the Holy Spirit bringing God to us in the people we meet, in the beauty around us, in the desolation around us, in the good times and in the bad times. We have faith to know God's presence. And because he loves us so very much, we can trust that however out of our comfort zone something might seem, he will equip us for what he asks of us. And each and every one of us can be like one of those six stone water jars. Our everyday contents can, through Jesus, be transformed into something beautiful and wonderful to be shared with others for the purpose of revealing Jesus to those we meet. So let's pray that we will be alert to the signs of God's presence in our daily lives and we will have the faith to trust and do whatever he tells us. Amen.